Welcome to The Refresh from Insider, presented by WebEx by Cisco. I'm Dave Smith. And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. It's Tuesday, July 12th, and we're the podcast that updates whenever there's news all day, every weekday. Here's the latest. It's not just Republicans. According to a new poll from the New York Times, the majority of Democrats are not happy with Biden either. 64% of Democratic voters say they want someone new on the 2024 presidential ballot. Americans say they are most concerned about Biden's handling of the economy and inflation, not to mention his age as the oldest president in U.S. history, all of which may hurt his chances for re-election. In Michigan, hundreds of thousands of pro-choice advocates are taking the right to an abortion into their own hands. They've collected enough signatures, over 750,000, to get the right to an abortion on the ballot as part of Michigan's state constitution. The state elections panel has to certify the signatures, but if the amendment passes in November, the state's so-called trigger law from 1931 banning abortions would be overturned. Johnny Depp has apparently had enough of courtrooms. He settled an assault case with a film location manager who accused the actor of punching him in the ribs. According to court filings, the alleged incident happened on the set of The Labyrinth in 2017. Not to be confused with Labyrinth, the amazing David Bowie movie, or Pan's Labyrinth, the amazing Guillermo del Toro movie. The manager said Depp verbally abused him, reeked of alcohol, and bodyguards had to physically restrain the actor. Depp denied the allegation. The suit was settled for an undisclosed amount. Bitcoin miners in Texas are scaling back or shutting down operations in order to ease the strain on the power grid, though not just out of the kindness of their hearts. Bloomberg reports that ERCOT, the organization that regulates the state's electric power, pays energy-intensive industries like Bitcoin to scale back when demand peaks, which is the case now. A heat wave is pushing temperatures up to 110 degrees. Electric vehicle maker Rivian is expected to lay off roughly 700 employees, or about 5% of its workforce, in the coming months. That's according to Bloomberg. Rivian says the layoffs are related to supply chain issues and hiring too many too fast. Some customers have been waiting three years for their Rivian SUVs and pickups. Could you imagine buying a car before the pandemic and still be waiting for it in 2022? Rivian is also building a fleet of electric Amazon delivery vans. A new National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is launching this Saturday. 988 will replace the old 10-digit number, and the easier-to-remember number has mental health experts bracing for an increase in calls and texts. Call centers around the country are already overstretched. About one in six calls to the current suicide hotline go unanswered. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. Experts say more than $400 million in federal funding will help hire more call center workers. Today and every day, we're updating the refresh from Insider as news happens. So check back whenever you want to know the latest. Coming up, we dive into the rising popularity of Formula One. The changing world of hybrid work offers new possibilities. WebEx enables them with an open platform and many integrated partners like Notion, Unifor, and Salesloft. Powerful partnerships power hybrid work. Visit apphub.webex.com. WebEx, working for everyone. 
There's new data on who is still working remotely due to COVID, and it's pretty much leveled off in recent months at roughly 7% of U.S. workers. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, that's about half of the amount from January, and just a fraction of the 35% of workers who were remote due to COVID in May 2020. Unsurprisingly, rates differ by industry, with a fifth of information workers still remote, compared with just 2% of construction workers. Keep in mind, the survey only counted people who say COVID is the main reason they telework, unlike, say, me, who has just grown very averse to wearing pants. On Monday's show, we mentioned the Uber files. It's basically a massive leak of documents and messages between Uber's top executives about how they lobbied very powerful people to move into cities around the world. Well, now we know the source, Mark McGann. As a senior executive at Uber between 2014 and 2016, McGann was the main guy talking to governments and the media. And he told The Guardian that he's a whistleblower now to make amends. Look, I own what I did, but... If it turns out that what I was trying to persuade governments, ministers, prime ministers, presidents and drivers turned out to be horribly, horribly wrong and untrue, then it's incumbent upon me to go back and say, I think we made a mistake. Not often can one say $10 billion well spent, but the first image from NASA's James Webb Space Telescope makes its price tag seem totally worth it. Seriously, go look at the image President Biden released last night. It is awesome. More photos will be released today, and we can expect regular dispatches going forward as the telescope continues to look deeper into space. Author and science vlogger Hank Green summed it up well. This is one of the coolest things that humanity has ever done, and we're all very lucky to be around to see it. If you decided to back out of an offer to buy a home last month, you're not alone. According to Redfin, 15% of home sales were canceled in June. That's the highest percentage since April 2020, when people were shaken up by early COVID lockdowns. But given the historically high prices for homes and rising mortgage rates, more people backing out of deals isn't too surprising. Bloomberg notes we're in the midst of the least affordable housing market in decades. The House January 6th committee is holding its seventh public hearing at 1 p.m. Eastern today. If you're playing along at home, make sure these two classic Donald Trump quotes are on your bingo cards. Stand back and stand by and big protest in D.C. on January 6th will be wild. Today's testimony will attempt to connect Trump's advisors' efforts with far-right extremist groups like the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys to overturn the 2020 election results. The committee is mum on who will testify, though one name is confirmed, Jason Van Tatenhove, a former high-level Oath Keeper. In what's sure to be a first, the city of Albuquerque will unveil statues honoring two famous, if fictional, meth dealers, Breaking Bad's Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. The statues were commissioned by the series creator Vince Gilligan, who says he wants to give back to the city where the show was set and filmed. Thousands of tourists come to Albuquerque every year to visit famous sites from the show. And honestly, who won't want to take a picture with the bronze likeness of Heisenberg and Captain Cook? Formula One racing has been getting really popular in the U.S. And one indicator, F1 recently renewed its three-year media deal with ESPN for an estimated $75 to $90 million per year. The previous deal was for $5 million per year. 
Insider's Alanis King has a book about F1 coming out soon, and she's here to tell us what's been driving this surge in popularity. Hey, Alanis. So first, for anyone who isn't familiar with it, what is Formula One? So Formula One is a global racing series, and many people, if you're in America, you know about NASCAR, most likely, perhaps IndyCar. Those are very American-centric racing series. What Formula One does is it goes to countries around the world and racing circuits around the world, sometimes street races that are built on literally the streets of a city, and it races in all these different countries, including America. And the difference between Formula One and something like NASCAR is that NASCAR looks more like the cars you drive on the road, whereas Formula One, they look a little bit like a weird spaceship. They're open-wheel cars, so the wheels stick out on the side of the cars. They've got really pointy noses and huge wings on the back. And Formula One is basically a giant test of not only driver, but car. So that's why you'll see a lot of teams have these empires, right? So they'll lead for a long time because they have a really good car and also really good drivers. It's a test of both. And the biggest test of how good you are at driving that car is how you drive it against your teammate. So Not only are there rivals between teams, but there are rivals within teams because at the end of the day, the biggest competitor is your teammate. So this sport has seen a steep rise in its U.S. viewership, which has increased about 40% since last year. I I must confess, I didn't really follow the sport until I watched Formula One Drive to Survive on Netflix. So what do you think is behind that. Yeah, so a lot of people got into Formula One through Drive to Survive. Uh, and I think that was the main thing behind it was getting it in front of this audience and it took off. But that would have never happened, I don't think, unless Formula One had gotten new ownership. And Formula One got new ownership in 2016. A company called Liberty Media took over the sport. They took over the sport from Bernie Ecclestone, who led it for many, many decades. And Bernie Ecclestone was behind many surges in Formula One's popularity, really lucrative TV deals, stuff like that. But once we got into kind of the 2010s, Bernie was a little behind. He wouldn't let people use social media. He didn't want modern era media coverage. He wanted it to stay the same. When we got Bernie Ecclestone out of the way and brought Liberty Media in, we started seeing more leniency around coverage in the paddock, social media posts, videos from testing. And then this culminated in Drive to Survive, the Netflix series, which is a docuseries that follows Formula One pretty well. And it took off like wildfire. Everybody loved it. People love the drivers. And now they're watching it. And it's fantastic. There's this perception that F1 is a little more bougie than NASCAR. What's behind that? I think people find comfort in their assumptions of things. Mm. So for a long time, especially for Americans, there has been a certain view of NASCAR, what NASCAR is. And NASCAR has contributed to that itself quite a bit. They only banned the Confederate flag from racetracks a couple of years ago. Yeah. So there's this perception of what NASCAR is that's not totally right, but kind of right sometimes. And then there's Formula One, which is, for Americans, a very foreign thing. So they see it as maybe more glamorous than it is and gloss it over more than other people would. But, I mean, Formula One is extremely glamorous. Like, Formula One is very, very fancy. But it all boils down to, in racing, 
who has the money to compete and who's fast enough. And I think a lot of people look past the fact that at the end of the day, when you look at the Formula One field and you look at the NASCAR field, the lack of diversity is very present in both of them. There has only mm-hmm. been one black driver in the history of Formula One, and that's Lewis Hamilton, and he's won seven championships. The rest of them, more or less, rich white guys generally. Yeah. That's what happens. Rich white people sport. You know, when you're wrecking cars for a living and you have to wreck cars to learn how to drive them, that's what happens. You know, if you need money to enter a sport, there will ultimately be less diversity in that sport, at least in modern times. Alanis, thank you so much for chatting with us on The Refresh. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Alanis King's book on Formula One, Racing with Rich Energy, is coming out this fall. Make sure to follow The Refresh from Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show. You can also just tell your smart speaker to play The Refresh from Insider podcast. I'm Dave Smith. And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. Talk to you soon. Bye.